Welcome to the Soundweavers podcast. Soundweavers explores the trials and tribulations of small ensemble musicianship through conversations with leading performers and composers. Today's episode features Roger Kalia, Barbara Kolarova, and Alexander Lombard, co-founders and directors of the Lake George Festival. We hope you enjoy. lovely, wonderful, gentle folks, and welcome back to the Soundweavers podcast. As always, I am your harping host, Dr. Rosanna Moore, and my brilliant partner in crime today is the wonderful, the delightful, the brilliant Dr. Blair Kerner. How are you today, my dear? Actually, sunny in Rochester for once, so I'm thrilled. I'm sorry, what? Sun (laughs) in upstate New York? That is just insanity. So, who are our guests today? Well, I am super excited because the guests we have today are people who are very, very near and dear to my heart from the brilliant and wonderful Lake George Music Festival. Now, Lake George is not like any other music festival. This is more of an artist retreat where a bunch of musicians and composers from around the country and even around the world descend on the beautiful little village of Lake George for two weeks of madness, rehearsals, music and mayhem. So without further ado, I would love to introduce you all to the three founders of Lake George, Roger Kalia, Alex Lombard, and Barbara Kolarova. So thank you so much for meeting with us today, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. So let's get started with the questions. Can you talk about why and how you started the festival and also why in Lake George? Why in this super beautiful, kooky little village? Sure, I can start with that one. So I'm from Lake George. Been to music festivals all over the world, all over the country, and we thought that there was a a need for that in Lake George, especially me being from Lake George. We thought that it's what needed to happen. We've been to places like Aspen and and really after college, we just uh, wanted to go for it. I just add that, you know, I, I met Alex back in college and we, uh, we started this festival when we were in our mid twenties. I mean, it's, it's been 10, 10 years ago, we started the festival and uh, Barbora, I met through Alex. And I think the premise was just to make music with friends. When we first started, we really wanted to just have a summer to not it's not make it more of a retreat than work if you know what I mean you know this was a way for us to come together and really um, make it exciting and and a fun experience for all of us and to bring music to a village that never experienced classical music before a classical music festival so that was a really big part of the reason for um, starting it in Lake George. And as Alex mentioned, uh, he's from there and I used to vacation there as a kid. So I was familiar with the area slightly uh, already. And uh, I just, what a beautiful and serene place to make music. So um, 
And in its first year, it was only three days. You know, we didn't want it to be a big one week or two week festival because we didn't know how it was going to go. And fortunately it went very, very well. And we, I remember our first year we had to kind of convince our friends to attend. We didn't have any money at the time. So we bought them pizza and beer and all sorts of things. So, uh, but we're very grateful to see how it's developed. And it's been a lot of work, I can tell you, tell you that much, but we're, it, it's been a pleasure to make it happen, especially with Barbora and Alex. So you said that, you know, you started off small three days and now you expanded to be much longer, two weeks, I think around. So with all of those rehearsals and concerts, it seems like you do a lot within that time frame. How do you decide and how do you put together the repertoire and ensembles? What comes first, chicken or the egg type of thing? Right, well, I think what we first do between the three of us, we decide on the instrumentation and you know, what kind of roster we would like for the summer. And then it kind of all goes from that. So Roger picks the orchestra repertoire and the family uh, family program and Sounds of Our Time and like George Court And uh, I do all the chamber music and I put together all the uh, chamber groups and the repertoire for the chamber groups. But it's more, I don't necessarily pick it myself. It's more of a discussion between the musicians and myself. So once we go through the audition process and we pick out the musicians, then it's, we kind of just talk about what they're interested in and what they would like to perform. And that's how we put the programs together. Yeah, I would, I would just add, you know, it's kind of from, it goes from large to small. You know, if there's an orchestral piece that I want to do, uh, we figure out the instrumentation of that piece. And then we start by, inviting those musicians, those numbers. So usually it's about, you know, one year we had 55 musicians, I believe, 55 or 60 musicians because uh, we were just able to manage it that summer. But typically the last few summers we've managed about, I'd say 40 musicians, give or take, including composers. But, uh, you know, as Barbora mentioned, it really, it's really, a, a, this is the most fun part of this job is programming. And the festival is so unique in terms of the different programs. We have the chamber music, we have the orchestra concert, which is the finale for the festival. It's the final concert. Uh, there's a con contemporary series called Sounds of Our Time, which combines contemporary music, pop music with classical music. Uh, the family concert is for, of course, kids and families and takes place outdoors at a big outdoor amphitheater in the middle of Lake George overlooking the lake. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And uh, we also do uh, like educational and outreach. We do happy hours, festival happy hours where you enjoy a beer and listen to chamber music. And uh, those take place a few days before the concert, the final concert. And, you know, again, pre-concert workshops, we really enjoy doing post-concert receptions. I think uh, the biggest part, uh, what makes the festival really unique is that after every chamber concert, there is a post-concert reception where we mingle with uh, the audience members. And that's really a wonderful way to connect with the community. So in addition to having a huge roster of players that you audition each year, you also run a composition competition. You have a Composers Institute, which is relatively new in the last few years. And you also invite an ensemble in residence every year. So could you talk a little bit about how you pick uh, your ensemble in residence and how you pick your composers in residence too? Yeah, with the composition competition, that's how, that's how we pick, a, we, that's actually how we discover a lot of our composers. 
composer. And now with the Institute, that's just another wing, another way we can make contemporary music a large part of the festival. How many, how many applicants did we receive, Alex? or Barbara last, like over the past few years, we've received upwards of 180 applications, I think, oh, right? wow, that's a lot. It's close to 300 people on the roster over the past 10 years. So there are a lot of musicians and composers that are part of the Lake George family now. As for the ensemble in residence, it, it's either a recommendation from somebody or somebody that we discover and want to have in Lake George. We like to look for groups that are upcoming and have something special to say and perform. Of course, they all do, but it's hard to choose. We get hundreds of emails every year, people asking that they want to come, you know, they want to be part of it. So it's hard to pick just one or two that come every summer. Especially with the Sounds of Our Time series, we've really kind of branched out and brought in some really interesting groups. Like an, EDM, like an EDM duo from LA, which was really interesting. That happened because I knew the founder of that group from Aspen Music Festival and we met in LA. He moved to LA, I moved to LA, so we connected. And then we brought a, um, a, uh, the Project Trio, which is a fusion group of bluegrass and classical. It's a wonderful group. And uh, you know, I feel the, the most interesting thing is the composers. We've kind of championed their music every year. Uh, we, of course, invite new composers every year, but we've championed a few composers and we program their music consistently every single season. And that's a great way to uh, just create relationships down the road. And I, I must have met over 20, 30 composers now whose music I've conducted all over the world. So that's really exciting. And that's because of the festival. Uh, people love contemporary music in Lake George just as much as they like Beethoven and Mozart. I think that's due to the innovative programs that Barbora's put together, that I've put together, and that um, our musicians really enjoy playing. They love doing it all, contemporary, classical, you name it, they do it. I, I must say, I love every time I go to concerts at Lake George, because on any one chamber concert, you'll have a Renaissance piece. You'll have something that was written yesterday where violins are scratching and <laughs> wrapping their instruments in tinfoil. It's just, it's so eclectic. And I love that you don't pigeonhole it into, this is the early music concert. This is the new music concert. I think this is a far more natural way of experiencing music in general. So. That this is just a general thank you from me because it keeps me entertained. So I hope it keeps everyone else entertained as well. I don't think they have an idea that there's so many things possible on our instruments. You know, they have the idea that they're going to hear musical tones, but they have no idea we can tap it or scratch it or do whatever to the instrument. So I think it's good. Well, and that's thanks to uh, our wonderful composer in residence from the past few years. Pascal is a great composer we've invited. He really combines uh, percussive effects with different really, uh, what, are, what extra techniques, you know, extended techniques. So that's really fascinating. And uh, I would, he, he's actually written an orchest orchestral piece that we're supposed to commission hopefully soon. So we are looking forward to that. So you all kind of alluded to it, you know, staying after and having a, a post-concert, you know, conversation and chat and hanging out. But I would like if each of you could give one thing that makes Lake George unique compared to other festivals. Lake George Village. Have you, have you seen it? <laughs> it's an interesting place. Like you wouldn't, uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So people that live in Lake George still 
they don't believe what we're doing. They're, they're still like, they don't, they somehow can't believe that it exists because it's when you walk down Lake George Village, the side streets, and you just could never imagine that there'll be a classical music festival in such a place. And then you see the lake, and it's just this grandiose, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful lakes you'll ever see. So I think Lake George Village, that's what makes it unique, and then our lake. I think the number of performances we do, I mean, every night we have a performance. Sometimes we have two performances. Sometimes we have three performances in a given day spread out. And we truly take over the village. Like we perform in so many different venues, uh, the, the amphitheater at Shepherd Park, the uh, steamboat for the late night concert. The mini uh, ha ha. Minnehaha, yes, yes, <laughs> with the whistles and everything. Oh, I love it. Um, no, the high school, hotel rooftops, churches. I mean, we're, we, we joke around and we say we take over the village, but we really do. And um, we've had these series called, this series called Art Attacks one year, which is where we just started playing on like in random locations, kind of like pop-up concerts or uh, flash mobs. And that was really exciting. So I would say just the sheer number of performances and the, and the unique venues. Yeah, definitely. And you can see musicians practicing on the lawn in front of the church, you know, or just picking up their instruments anywhere they are in the village. So it's it's really beautiful. And I think I think the festival is different from other festivals also in the way that it's such a collaborative event. You know, everybody who comes to Lake George, we're all just equal musicians and we just do the music together and we basically become a family for two weeks and then we are family for the rest of our lives probably because we all stay in touch and just you know it's it's beautiful it's beautiful to me I always feel like I'm coming home and I go to Lake George yeah I mean Barbara we've had some musicians come back what eight years in a row now seven years in a row it just it, it's it's family absolutely we're all friends we're all friends making music and that doesn't mean we can just relax and party. No, it's a lot of work, but we find the time to relax and party as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a great mix. It's a great combination. And people come ready to work because we have a, God, we have a grueling schedule. If you think about it, every day rehearsals, performances, but that's why you go to a music festival. But the additional benefit is we're all hanging out after concerts. We're not going back to our respective dorms or um, apartments. So that's really, so uh, talking of just the community element in normal years, so let's pretend 2020 didn't happen. Um, musicians will live with members of the community for the duration of the festival. Can you talk about how you managed to build this brilliant community of hosts who, again, going back to previous conversations, a lot of them also provide the spread for post-concert receptions. Yeah, sure. The volunteers, especially the host families, it's a critical component. I mean, without the host families, probably no music festival. It's certainly not at the, the size and scope that we have full two weeks, you know, 50, 60 people. How did I get these host families? Originally, it was through the venues. Our venues were churches, and then you'd get uh, the church community involved. You'd get, uh, I got the mayor involved, and it really helped just being from Lake George. Just stories about it in the paper. Hey, we need host families. It's um, it's been a really great experience. That's one of the things that I really look forward to, pairing everybody up with their host families and people get to live with, with people in the community. People love it. I get, when, I, when I'm unable to put a musician with a host, they kind of get upset. Like, 
uh, I can't believe you didn't get me a musician this year. People love it. I was, I originally I thought I was going to be like a burden to people, but it wasn't. I love it. I think that's really great. It's I, and I know there's so many members of Lake George who they just make friends with their host family and they keep in touch. And it's it's so beautiful. It's really lovely. Yeah, they send Christmas cards and holiday cards, birthday cards. It's really a family affair here that is created. And um, that's why people love coming back, not just the high level of music making and the friends and the festival with different musicians. It's the host families. They are the best. They make the festival run. The community truly does come together for Lake George for these two weeks. I know we've talked about this uh, on and off through these questions. How have you kept that momentum going throughout the years in general, but particularly this year, what has changed due to the delights of this pesky, pesky little pandemic known as COVID? Well, I'll let Alex kind of and Barbara talk a little bit about this drive-in series that we created last uh, September. So just so you know, the 2020 was supposed to be our 10-year anniversary and the pandemic totally ruined that. So what we actually ended up doing was, as every orchestra and festival are trying to do, is we went virtual uh, we basically basically became a media warehouse where we're putting together videos of our performers, of our musicians um, playing either from their apartment, their home, and submitting kind of solo recital videos that we've posted on Facebook. But I was really uh, interested in showcasing the diversity and variety we've done over the years. So I put together old performances of LGMF Symphony Orchestra concerts and I kind of put a best of series and we created a watch party on Facebook where you could leave comments. It went to Facebook Live. So this was supposed to celebrate our 10 year in a different sort of way. And we actually had interviews with past musicians uh, who have been going to the festival, composers, guest artists. And it was this really creative 55 minute video that we put together. Mm -hmm. And I think our listeners really enjoyed seeing uh, what we've done over the past 10 years. And I learned, I mean, so much about iMovie and editing and sound reinforcement. You kind of, I bet what you've been doing too, Rosie and Blair, just kind of the idea that this is a new world for us now, technology such as editing software. And who would have thought that a microphone would be so important to us these days, but it is. So I've learned a great deal about that. And I think the festival uh, was even more creative in putting together this drive-in series, which I thought was just brilliant. So um, I'll let Alex and Barbara talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, we were in so many ways so, somewhat forced to have the drive-in. I mean, New York State mandates last fall were no audiences unless they were in their car. So we knew we wanted to do something. I think everyone was sort of tiring of the virtual platform by September. So we knew we wanted to do something. We got some great funding from the village and the town of Lake George. And yeah, we had a great a great weekend of driving concerts, superb performances, and some really great players, really awesome programming. It happened to be like below freezing that night. We were outside, which is a challenge for <laughs> these, these, these poor players. I don't know how, like, like Sonar Park, our pianist, had it was basically a piano concerto and the keys after I touched the piano after she got done playing, the keys were actually, I mean, 32 degrees, freezing. I don't know how she did it. 
But the, the concert was great. We knew we wanted to do something. We knew we had to do something. We had, that was our only thing we could do. We had the perfect venue for it in like Georgia. It's big, giant festival space. The village owns that, that giant $300,000 stage. So yeah, we put That's it together. Awesome. And you also worked with a videographer for um, some of the musicians who didn't get to go to the festival, right? On the virtual series, yeah. We, so the virtual series, we worked with Mark Webster from the Blue and Blue recording studio, which was, it was amazing. Mark is just such a joy to work with. And he came up with these three, three different videos that he did with our musicians. Um, we had three different groups that we put together. We did Mendelssohn Octet, we did the 4A Harp Quintet, and uh, there was something else that I can't remember right now. But it, was, it was a brass, brass quintet? quintet? I know it was a brass quintet. I brass. cannot remember who did it, but I, I know it was like everyone was in a, um, uh, it's in a museum and they turn into like living paintings. It was really cool. <laughs> It was amazing. So we had the brass quintet kind of in the museum and the Mendelssohn octet. It was like playing cards. Somehow Mark was playing with cards and it was like a game of cards. And the harp quintet was actually in the Shepherd Park in Lake George. So it was kind of like we were all in Lake George. As a one of my roles as a career advisor, so I'm always very interested in the life skills and the skill sets you're going to need for any musical pursuit that you pursue. So obviously you're all musicians, but you're also administrators. So how do you divide up all the logistical tasks? Who does what and how does that work as a collective? <laughs> really, Barbara and Roger is the artistic team and I handle the grant writing and administrative tasks and fundraising, which is what I studied in school other than piano. I was really never that great at the piano, but it just kind of naturally fell into place, right, Roger? Yeah, I was going to say it's changed a little bit over the past 10 years because when we first started, it was the three of us doing everything. Uh, granted, there were less musicians. It wasn't two weeks at the time. It was only three or five days the first two years. And then the third year, it was a week. Um, but over the years, we've hired interns from basically all over the country. We've hired three or four interns to help us set up different concerts, um, to help us with the roster. We have a music librarian, and actually now we have a director of artistic, well, director of production, I guess you would call him, uh, Caleb Ike, who does a wonderful job. We, we couldn't run this festival without Caleb. He does so much throughout the year, emailing different musicians and getting the music orders together, because we do so much new music, and it requires a lot of direct communication with different composers and uh, music publishers. So, um, but, you know, I think the at, at the core of this is we focus on artistic production, uh, Barbora and myself, and we're trying to really program while a Alex is telling us, well, we can't afford that this year. So you may want to wait a little bit. Well, see, I don't mind paying if the composer's alive. I'm happy to commission them, happy to buy their music, rent. Somehow it frustrates me when I have to give some publisher $650 for a piece. The composer's been dead for 100 years. So that's another reason why we're, we're doing our best to program a lot of contemporary music. It's just um, these composers, not only they're writing fantastic music, let's support them. You keep the music alive that way, you know, it still keeps growing and evolving. So by playing these contemporary works, you just make it, keep it alive. 
here's the thing like our, our audience is constantly saying they yes they love the contemporary music yeah play more Brahms and Beethoven and play more classics or if you want to do new music just program it all on one night and like you said pigeonhole it we're not going to do that we're just not going to do it and I don't think that serves any purpose it doesn't advance music and it's just falling into those comfort zones really is not helping anybody certainly not helping classical music well and I mean I'm very proud that NPR, for example, Performance Today, they've picked up many of our performances over the years and have aired them now up to 10 or 12 times. I mean, a lot of that being new music, not Mozart, not Beethoven, but young American composers are being featured from our festival on national media. I mean, how cool is that? Oh yeah, I, I've been in the car driving a couple of times and I, I'm sure I've texted mm -hmm. you afterwards going, like George is on the radio, it's on the radio. <laughs> and I, I think that's really wonderful and that this is the way it should be. This is what we should be doing to advance our field is actually, so yes, there is a reason why Mozart is still played so often, but supporting newer artists and newer ideas is equally as, if not more important. Yeah, exactly, Rosie. And the great thing is the composers come to the festival so you could work with them in an, in an up close and personal way where they're giving direction. They're, it's a real collaboration. It's not just saying, oh, I'll send you the parts and you play it. No, I'm coming to the festival. I wanna meet you. I wanna get to know you. So that's really a wonderful aspect of this festival. A wonderful component is that relationship. It's all about relationships again. And this is what makes this festival so beautiful. So talking of all of these wonderful, brilliant things that happen in Lake George, Lake George Madness once a year, am I right in thinking that there is a new concert hall that is apparently set to come to the area? And can you talk about how the festival had a hand in this and how you managed to make this happen? Yeah, it's called the Carriage House. It's in, in, in Lake George. But it's not, it's actually not new. It's been around since the early 19th okay. century. It's a very extremely old antique or historical rather uh, horse barn <laughs> called the carriage house. So back in the day when there was, there were no roads, there was no train, all the multimillionaire rich people would come up from New York city via horse drawn carriage. And they'd come up to their, they call them their camps. You know, they were actually massive 16 bedroom mansions, but they parked their horse and buggy in this carriage house. So fast forward to today, today it's now this, it's a, been renovated and it's gonna be our concert hall. It's um, open seating, it's actually perfect. It's gonna work out great this year. We have room to spread out and space people out. It's right on the water. And it's gonna be a multi-year campaign. We're looking at you know, probably three, four years before it's completed. So speaking of a campaign, before we move on to our last question, I do have a very particular one. We've talked about campaigns and commissioning and even renting music. A lot of students or young musicians are kind of like in awe of how organizations actually receive their funding, thinking most of it comes through ticket sales, which obviously is not the case. Could you talk a little bit about all the different funding streams and specifically for something such as big as, you know, re renovating a concert hall and what you're having to do in order to prep for that? Yeah, this... this Carriage House project is quite separate from our annual budget, but for mm -hmm. our annual budget, so ticket sales for us, about 25%. 50% or so is grant funding, which is what I do year round. I, uh, federal grants, state grants, 
local municipal grants and a lot of different private foundations. And that leaves us with 25% from individual gifts. There's a small percentage from earned income, like um, kind of fundraising events or merchandise. It's, it's a small fraction though. Uh, yeah, Lake George Music Festival is somewhat different. Uh, I think a lot of organizations, the bulk is gifts, right? Is individual donations. That's, um, I guess, looking at the industry standard, it's a little less for a music festival and more our grant funding piece of the pie, I guess, is a little higher, about 50%. But Carriage House, all right, so talking about this new venue we're building in Lake George, totally separate from the annual fund. This property is actually owned by a hotel in Lake George called, called the Fort William, or, excuse me, Fort William Henry Hotel. Uh, it's been around since the, <laughs> the Fort, Fort William Henry Hotel. It's actually a very historic building and museum. It's been uh, mm -hmm. part, part of the French Indian War. Again, very historical. They own it, and the music festival has or will have a lease of this property. And it's called a ground lease. So we basically don't own it, but we can fundraise for it through public funds. Yeah, I would, I would just add we have a number of donors also who help make this festival run every year, who contribute money every year. And I'm fortunate that I have other orchestras I conduct throughout the year as a music director. And I've created relationships with a lot of those donors. And I've told them, hey, what are you doing this summer? Why don't you come to the Lake George Music Festival? And sure enough, they, they've attended and they really enjoy it. So, uh, um, and some have never even been, but they believe in what we're doing. So they contribute um, money every year to the festival, which really helps us a, a, a lot. Uh, we also have a couple who have commissioned works for us. You know, we go going back to commission uh, commissions. It was thanks to many of those of those people that we were able to do our first orchestral commission. So um, we're very grateful to them. And uh, it's again really knowing people who think who I think would believe in this festival and reaching out to them. So. We try to set up lunch meetings and phone calls every every throughout the year and keep in touch with these people. So it's not just let's apply for another grant. No, let's really reach out to people and create connections and contacts. So for the final question from each of you, I would love to know what your favorite memory has been from the last 10, 10 and a little bit years of running Lake George. I guess one thing that really stands out to me was one of our performances. We did um, we did the Shostakovich Cello Concerto in 2013 with Gabriel Kabizis. And I, I mean, I'm biased because one of the founders of Lake George Music Festival, but I think that is the best recording of that piece in history. I have so many, like Alex said. Um, I think one of my favorite memories would be the second year of the festival, our very first outdoor orchestral concert. And we did the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, uh, Nigel Armstrong, who's a wonderful violinist and Mendelssohn's Italian Symphony. And I still remember, like we started playing and the audience size was, there might've been 50 people there. But by the time we started the Mendelssohn, it was starting to get dark. I turned around, there must've been over 800 people there, maybe a thousand maybe a thousand wow. and just to see that was so thrilling it's it, it, it made me it told me that we were doing something right mm. and that was really special and the great thing is you know where we were performing was right on the boardwalk so people would literally 
walk by the stage, they would hear music and they would come over and um, sit that they would sit there and they would stay the entire concert. And that really, I think, helped us get well known in the community from that concert in particular, because it was outdoors in the center of town. And um, the other memory would be when we commissioned Sheridan Seyfried's double violin concerto. Uh, it's a wonderful piece of music. Uh, we had Nikki and Timothy Chewy, two wonderful virtuoso violinists who are performing all over the world. And uh, there's a bluegrass movement in the third movement, which really is like, a, it, it's bluegrass to its core, Bella Fleck uh, influenced. And it's so fascinating and so much fun. And I remember our audience kind of uh, grooving to the music and just seeing that enjoyment really was a wonderful memory. You know, it's it's really difficult to pick just one memory or a few. I think I've been trying to pick a memory while listening to Alex and Roger, and I just I can't think of anything that would just. There's it's just all of it, you know. And I think for me, it's the fact that we start planning it, and then you start talking to the musicians, and we're all kind of strangers before we get to Lake George, and then you get to Lake George. And there's so much going on all the time. There's rehearsals, there's concerts, there's tap room, there's everything. And you're with those people for 24 hours a day for two weeks. And mm -hmm. I think for me, every year after those two weeks, seeing everybody on one stage playing the orchestra concert and seeing all the host families, donors, and just the entire community in one space and everybody happy and playing the final concert, that's just... That's the best feeling for me, I think. And for me also, it's, you know, I get to do a lot of work for planning the festival, but then I get to the festival and I get to be one of the musicians. So it's very special for me because I get to do it all. And it's exhausting, but it's amazing. It's my favorite part of the year. <laughs> yeah, I'm always amazed, Barbara, that you're doing the orchestra concerts because you have so much going on. And there's some rehearsals where I tell Barbara, just, just come to the come to the next rehearsal. You need to you need some time off tonight for today. Yeah, time when we're in the office, and I'm like, I can't do this, guys. I'm not coming to rehearsal. I'm not doing yeah. this. And then I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. It's amazing. <laughs> and there was an incident. I, I have to say this. There was an incident um, last uh, 2019 where our concertmaster actually there was a family emergency, and our concertmaster had to leave the day of the performance, the day of the concert, and Barbora. I was, I said, what do we do? What do we do, Barbara? And she goes, I'll do it. And just like that, she did it. She stepped in. We had a emergency rehearsal with just the string principles. It was Pulcinella and Schumann II. Not, a, not an easy program by any means. And Barbara did all of the solos and it was just absolutely fantastic. I know she was, she'll, she'll tell you, oh, you know, I was so nervous, but it didn't seem like you were nervous. One of the craziest things I've done as a musician my entire life, because I've never played Pochinella solos before in my life. And then, I'll do it, not a problem, you know? And I spent the entire day and night learning the piece. And I think that's going back to what I was saying that I'm, you know, planning the festival and then becoming one of the musicians, I could actually feel in that moment, the support from everybody, everybody was like, okay, we'll do it. And, you know, it's going to be great. And then everybody came to the extra rehearsal and we practiced with Roger and it just, it was amazing, you know, and it didn't even matter that I just learned it 24 hours before the concert. It was great. Oh my goodness. Well, to wrap up, thank you so, so much. Once again, 
lovely gentlefolk, we have the three brilliant and wonderful founders from the Lake George Music Festival. Now we will put all of your links and socials and exciting things down in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is amazing talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Soundweavers podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and most other major podcast platforms. We hope that you'll visit us at www.soundweaverscast.com, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Soundweaverscast, and on Twitter at SWChambercast, where you'll get episodes as soon as they drop, show notes, and regular updates. This podcast is hosted by Rosanna Moore and engineered by Blair Kerner. I'm your producer, Adam Paul Cordell. Our theme music was composed by Evan Henry and recorded by the Soundweavers team. The music you heard in today's podcast was composed by Zach Browning and Otorino Respighi and performed by members of the Lake George Festival. On behalf of the Soundweavers cast, see you in two weeks.